Welcome back to the Common Warrior Podcast, folks. We have got quite a show today. We have the legendary, the awesome, the almost just infamous Mr. Special Duty. So once we get started, get ready for a roller coaster of how in the hell did you do all this in your career? Man, oh man, it's been a long time, Chief. How have you been? Uh, I've been doing well, very well. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely different seeing you with a full-grown beard. You know, you're grown up now. It's, it's been a long time. Yes, my man. It's been crazy, that's for damn sure. But uh, yeah. we're, running, we're running solo today. Jess is out visiting family, so... I couldn't think of a better time to bring this this one hell of a guy here, I'm telling you. But I call him, I've always called him Mr. Special Duty for a very specific reason, and we're about to find out. So, Big Chief, I gotta just ask you, do we see any, how much more future do we have with you? You're talking about in, in, in the Air Force? Yeah. This, what, what, uh, how much longer what, I got? Yeah, like you you going for command, Chief? What, what were you doing here? Yeah, I, I tell you, I, I, I'm just I'm I'm just gonna wait and see what's next. Is between that or or a command first sergeant? Uh, you yeah. know, I'm, I, I'm at 25 years now, so yeah, yeah, I'm I, I'd love to go all the way to 30, but uh, we just never know what what's gonna happen with the next assignment. Cause uh, I'm here in Hawaii right now. I've got one more year left. Uh, Must be horrible there. Then that. that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's uh, it's 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 real nice. I'm I'm not gonna lie, you know. When I tell people this, they look at me like I'm crazy. But I do miss seasons because uh, over here it's 82 clear blue skies every day. We may get an occasional thunderstorm roll through, but uh, does it get you know, like really really I, hot I during the summer the, though? The nippiness. Does it get really hot no, in the summer? No, it's, or does it, it stay literally like that? stays 82 to 85 all year long yeah <laughs> well, well i mean yeah so <laughs> can imagine somebody got to well, do it right <laughs> yeah right well mm -hmm. chief let's just start from the beginning when did you join and where where were you stationed at like take us from the time you joined and everywhere you've been stationed in between and then we'll get started from your first special duty the yeah, line, I know. so you know i i joined <laughs> I joined in '98, uh, right right out of New York City. You know, I'm a I'm a New York City kid that grew up for, with immigrant parents. Uh, my parents are from Guyana. You know, it's it's a country in South America, only English speaking country in South America, uh, next to Venezuela and Brazil. And uh, yeah, I joined out of New York City. I um, it it wasn't in the plans. I, I I wanted to go to college. I wanted to play football. Um, sports was my life growing up. So I thought that was going to be the path, but uh, just couldn't afford it. And I uh, got offered like a, a partial scholarship out of uh, Lock Haven University, but I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't afford it to go play football. So stuck around in, in New York City, 
uh, going to school there, dead end jobs. And then in 98, when I joined, I, I was like, this is, uh, this is me. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna jump in and see what I got. So it's funny when I joined the air force, I actually went to the army recruiter and I thought I was going into the army cause I was just so blown away by the way the army recruiter looked in his uniform. I was like, that's how I want to. Yeah. Play. They're like, yo, look, and, you want to uh, be cool so like me? I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was so impressed. So that was my initial thought. Took my ASVAB, went back and then the army recruiter wasn't around. <laughs> so air force recruiter was like, Hey, what, what you doing here? I said, I'm looking for army recruiter. He said, uh, he said, well, why don't you come my way? And I sat down, he looked over my ASVAB scores, and I, you know, he was like, hey, what, what kind of job do you want to do? I said, I, I, I really love law enforcement. I, I wouldn't mind doing that. And he was like, nah, I said, well, with your score, you, you probably want to look at something else. And then he started listing out all these different <laughs> jobs, and weather was on there, meteorology. I was like, ooh, that, I, I love science, so... He was like, yeah, not a lot of people know about this job, a very small career field. Um, you should try it out. So, yeah, jumped in, guaranteed weather uh, apprentice. And, uh, yeah, from New York City to San Antonio, Texas, for six weeks of basic military training in 100-degree weather. And then from uh, there, went. went straight to uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. There you and go. I was like, what is going on? How did I go from Brooklyn, New York to San Antonio, Texas to Biloxi, Mississippi? And it, it was like five, six months because it was a long tech school. And weather, we have a pretty intense tech school. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was just blown away. So when I graduated there, my first assignment was Fort Hood in, in Texas, Colleen, Texas. Back to Texas. And, uh, yeah, back to Texas, and I'm going to an Army assignment, so I'm like, what's going on? Like, I joined the Air Force to be in the Air Force, and they were like, oh, yeah, we forgot to tell you that the Air Force weather also supports the Army, because the Army doesn't have weather. Since 1947, we've been supporting the Army with, with, uh, with weather data, so I was like, ah, oh, interesting. So my first assignment was Fort Hood, Texas, and Colleen did that for about for almost four and a half years or so. Uh, I had made staff sergeant as a, as a weather apprentice and uh, I uh, decided I wanna do something different. I wanna do something different. There was a lot of changes that was going on in weather. Uh, the career field was the weather hubs were standing up, a lot of uh, units across the, the globe. Um, weather forecasters were merging with weather observers. So it, there was a lot going on. Reenlistment bonuses were were high because the retention rate, we we're trying to keep a lot of our forecasters in. So I said, uh, you know what, this is this is the time. I, I, I want to do something different. And uh, I, I just never forgot how my MTI made me feel when I went through basic training. You know, a kid from New York City, no military background. Um, I just, I, the, the way he transformed my life, um, Staff Sergeant Fisher, I, I'll never forget it. So I said, I, I, I want to do something like that for somebody else. So that's when I decided I want to put an application, become an MTI down in basic training. So 
So when I got accepted, yeah, I went down there and thinking, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this for about three, four years. Three, four years turned out to be six years. Because like I said, weather was going through a lot of changes and the career field manager pretty much said, look, um, we, we, are, we are pretty good on, on, on manpower. Uh, Staff Sergeant Jack, <laughs> what, what, what your, your options are to stay as an MTI or you know, later on you want to come back to weather or you want to retrain into another career field, the, the, the choice is yours. I was like, whoa, you, you're going to give me a staff sergeant, that, that kind of uh, avenue? So, um, Literally so, putting yeah, your career I, in your hands. <laughs> in my hand as a staff sergeant, yeah, yeah. So um, so the, a lot of changes that we have with special duties now, I think, are perfect. I, I, it should have happened years ago because you can't, you can't put uh, the career in, into the hands of the staff sergeant and tell them, Hey, you, you go make it happen. No, I, I, I need somebody to give me guidance. So, uh, so I stayed there for six years, made tech sergeant, um, had no AFSC because weather or had already released me. So, uh, now I'm looking around for the next job. Uh, you know, so I, I'm looking at education and training. I'm looking at paralegal. I've always I've always loved legal aspect or law enforcement anything in that arena. So I'm looking at all these jobs trying to retrain and I'm getting no having no luck. Uh, so I had a good friend in the Air Force Honor Guard. Uh, he was my supervisor when I was an MTI down in basic training, and he was a a brand new senior master sergeant. I was a tech sergeant. He said, look, I, I understand that you did your MTI duty. You're looking for to retrain your other job. But he said, I really, really need an NCO, a strong NCO here at the Air Force Honor Guard. Um, because a lot of people don't understand this, but in the Air Force Honor Guard, like 80% of the unit was first term airmen right out of basic training. So you had a lot of NCOs that were matched up to like 10 to 12 airmen apiece, young NCOs, you know, so they're, they're, they're trying to learn, but they have to lead. So he was like, look, I, I would really love to have you over here because I know you're from the East coast. I know you love drilling ceremony. Um, so, Hey, w would you mind coming over here? I said, absolutely. So I jumped on it. Tech Sergeant heading over to, uh, air force, uh, honor guard did that for about four, four and a half years had a tremendous time, uh, jobs at Arlington National Cemetery, the White House, Pentagon, dignitaries. Uh, it, it was unbelievable, the exposure that, that you had in that job. But a lot of challenges because, like I said, a lot of young airmen, a lot of young airmen that were just going through uh, life. They're, they were learning how to be young men and women while, while, while I was there. So, uh, uh it, it, it was gratifying, but it was tough. Um, so did that for that, for that time, uh, made master sergeant while I was there. Once again, MTI duty, Air Force Honor Guard. I'm about to be a master sergeant. I don't have an AFSC. I'm not tied to a career field like I was in weather. And um, my command chief was like, look, which he was a prior MTI himself. And he was like, look, you, you, 
you would be fantastic as a first sergeant because you just love taking care of your airmen. Like people that just click to you, they, they, they just shine, man. Like you, you have the right attitude to take care of folks. So would you mind putting in to be a first sergeant? I was like, Hey, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm ready at, at this point. I, I just want to keep serving. I love what I do. If it's taking care of folks and so be it. So, um, yeah, put in the package to be a first sergeant. I uh, got accepted, went to first sergeant academy. And uh, my my next assignment is when I met you at Cannon yeah, Air Force baby. Base, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, that that's when I met you. And uh, I tell you, when I got that assignment, I was like, "What? What in the world is going on?" Like I've heard so <laughs> many bad stories about. Clovis, New Mexico, and all the challenges that come with it. And the worst thing that you can do is just go online and Google and go through all the YouTube videos because all you're going to get is, is a bunch of nonsense. And I did exactly that. And me and the family were like, oh, boy, we're going from Washington, D.C. to <laughs> to the middle of nowhere. And uh, I am telling you, and, and people look at me like like I'm crazy when I say this, it is probably the best assignment that me and my family ever had. We no, have and I have to agree with you. Friends. I have to agree with you, man. Because like, yeah, look, I'm like that, you. that. There's nothing. So everybody was always like, "So what was it like in Canada?" I'm like, "Look, the area is not the greatest. We all know that, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. coming up, but it's still not the greatest. You gotta drive at least an hour and a half mm -hmm. to two hours to go to something like really fun." I was like, "But yeah, the mission, man, I." I yes. would have stayed with AFSOC for the rest of my career yeah. if I could have. Yep. The mission and the people, that is what made that assignment so awesome, you know? Yes, I 100% I agree with you. I'm telling you, man. So when, when people make a face and, and turn their noses up, I'm like, first of all, were you ever stationed there? And they're like, no, but I heard. I said, well, you, you've been hearing wrong, man, because I'm telling you, what AFSOC is doing with that base and the mission. I mean, I, it, it, I, it was amazing to deploy with the unit that I was in. As a maintenance first sergeant, for me to, to get on a rotator with my dudes and dudettes and go to, to wherever and do whatever months we did out there, and roll back with them, that was an amazing feeling. Um, something that I, I will never forget. And like I said, lifetime friendships uh even the even our kids they have lifetime friends from that assignment because it's just uh yeah it, it it was amazing so did that over there for about four years i was the uh, aircraft maintenance first sergeant and that's when i met you and then after that i went to go do the uh logistics readiness squadron first sergeant and, and then i was uh, under you again you know i, I, I <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Under me again, and I and I and I thought I was I was I was leaving and going to the easy LRS squadron. Man, they kept me no. just as busy as nope. maintenance did. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so did that. Um, like I said, lifetime friends, great commanders, great chiefs uh, from that assignment, and. Uh, Messed around and made senior master sergeant out of there, and uh, I saw I saw an opening to be come back to basic military training and be a first sergeant 
And I, 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 I was like, wow, to go back to BMT, to be not only the first sergeant for trainees, but the first sergeants for MTIs that the same job that I was doing. So I understand the grind that they're going through. Um, so I can easily advocate for their needs. Um, I could speak their language. I said, no brainer. So when I put in for that job, got accepted. Um, we, we, we were elated. You know, my wife is from San Antonio. I met her the first time I was there. So to go back, you know, be close to her mom again, uh, it, it was a no brainer. So yeah, went back to basic training to be the first sergeant and the first couple of years were just unbelievable. Unbelievable to be around the MTIs again, to help trainees out. Um, but when 2020 hit that, I, I, I must say, probably the most challenging part of my career was 2020. Yeah, because uh, just adapting oh. to, to, to COVID. Yeah. Oh, it was it was miserable. And, and my mom uh, passed away during that time frame. She was having uh, was it COVID having problems with diabetes. Yes, and she passed from COVID. It just just the, the mm. whole challenge of being a high risk respiratory problems and your high risk. It so I um I tell you, man, I I I went through it mentally, and I you know as a first sergeant, I, I had to. I had to keep pushing. I had to make sure my folks were taken care of because my MTIs, trainees were going through some things. And I can't I imagine what that was this... like in basic training. Gosh. Oh, it was, um, it, it, it was tough. I, I, a lot of respect to the leadership of, of the, of the wing of BMT. Like, um, yeah, I, a lot of respect for the folks over there that went through that, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it was a challenge. Went through COVID, you know, my mom couldn't go to New York to go uh, bury her the right way. And uh, my sisters and my brother up there haven't having to go through that. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't leave. They had us on lockdown. And even if I was able to go to New York, I would have had to be quarantined for two weeks before I even had a chance to go see my family. So it, it was, um, it was challenging. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. There, there was many a times I have to go sit down and, and speak to somebody professionally because I, I just felt like I let a lot of people down during, during that, that, that phase. So, um, yeah, yeah. So went through, went through that part. Uh, then I, I messed around and, and made chief. So, you know, you're making senior master sergeant and chief master sergeant as a first sergeant. That is, uh, that's that's not easy. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just say that that's not easy. So felt extremely blessed to to go through that. And th this is when the story gets funny, because now remember, I, I've been out of weather since I was a staff sergeant. And I did all these special duties that we just heard about. <laughs> and then and, you go uh, back to a career that you haven't been in and forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so my my career field manager, uh, the first sergeant career field manager, Mike Perry, he's like, hey, you know, congratulations on chief. He's like, what's next, man? Like, you you want to stick around and be a, a, a command first sergeant? I was like, hey, <laughs> I'd love to, 
but hell no, not not right now, man. I've been doing first sergeant for seven years now. It has mentally taken a toll on me, and I just need to I need to catch my breath for a second. I, I want to get back to the operational side of the Air Force, and I want to, you know, I just want to focus on on the unit. I want to focus on, on on the things that a lot of airmen need help with. Um, so he was like, okay, you know what? Hey, I. He said, you were weather, right? I said, yeah, m many moons ago. I don't know where you're going with that, but many moons ago. He's like, okay. Eh. He said, I'll, 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 I'll see something. A couple of days later, the career field manager from weather calls me, Randy Saban. And he goes, hey, man. He said, I, I know you don't know me from Adam. He said, my name is Randy Saban. I'm the career field manager of weather. He said, would you, would you mind coming back into weather? And I said, I said, hey, man, who? Who the hell is this? Who 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 is who's punking me right now? He's like, no, I'm very serious. Like I, because <laughs> I need a chief master sergeant in weather. Like, you know, there were a couple uh, folks that had line numbers that decided to retire, and I, I just, I, I I didn't I didn't see that coming. So yes, I I really need a chief. And I was like, Mister well, Special Duty I getting special treatment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done a weather observation or a weather forecast in God knows how long, you know, I, 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 I'd crash aircraft if I had to do that. So he was like, no, 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 no. He said, you're not going to be doing any of that. I just need you to be a chief. Okay. I need you to take care of our NCOs. Like all that stuff you learned being out of the career field. I need you to bring that back to our CGOs, our company grade officers, our senior non-commissioned officers, our airmen, like they need to hear this stuff because our career feels so small that a lot of times our, our airmen don't get out and see these things or hear about these things. So for you to come back and help develop and encourage these airmen, these weather airmen, um, would be tremendous. And when he said that, I said, oh man, okay, I am in, let's go. And uh, he said, oh yeah, by the way, since you have the most time on station with all the brand new chiefs that are coming into, that are in weather, you probably will have top choice. And one of the choices is Hawaii. I said, okay, yeah, I, you, you, you go ahead and sign me up. All right, I'll, you twisted my arm. So, uh, so I'll just, I'll be like. <laughs> you twisted my arm, yeah. Yep, yep. So, uh, so that's where I stand, man. I uh, came to Hawaii, was the uh, the uh, senior enlisted leader of the 17th Operational Weather Squadron. And then a year later, they said, hey, there, there's a vacancy, there's a need up at headquarters for the for the MATSCOM functional manager position uh, for weather. So we need you to move up and, and now take care of the all the weather forecasters within the theater. And um, that's what I've been doing the whole time. A lot of traveling, a lot of traveling to Alaska and Guam and Japan, Korea. Um, yeah, you name it. I've, I've been all over the Pacific, just uh, just keep my eyes on, on, on our airmen, making sure they got what they need. So uh, that's where I'm at, man. That's that. That's a snapshot of, of you, of Mr. You got your own plane. You got your own plane. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> no, unfortunately yeah. not. Ooh, that's the worst part is is the, the traveling because 
where I'm at, I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's at a minimum, it's six hours on in, but in seat on a plane going wherever. So minimum six hours. Uh, the worst was when I flew over to Germany for a weather conference. I, I thought I was going to die. It was like a good 18 hours on a plane. Oh, I should say, you know, gosh. connecting here and there. But overall, it was about a good 18 hours. And I, my back is still feeling that pain right now. So, yeah. But, hey, it's it's all good. Once you get there, I mean, the airmen, is, they, they, just, they just make you smile and forget all about your, your pain. So, love it. That's good. All right. So, got that snapshot. Yeah. Let's go back to... Mr. Mm -hmm. Special Duty getting his first special duty when you were when you were down there yelling and marching these dudes till the day they died. What year did yeah. you start? I did that in two thousand three. Is when I it was a, a brand new MTI. Yeah. Yeah, I was an MTI. Grade. By the way, folks don't know military training instructor. Yeah, military training instructor. Yeah, I was in eighth grade. That's awesome. Um. Oh, that's so, <laughs> nice. Man. Thank you. Thank you for making me feel old. Yeah. So 2003, <laughs> you get down there, you get that big fancy hat. Yeah. And you did that for yeah. how long? I did that for six years. Six yeah. years. Whew, man, six years. And, and you got to understand, you know, coming from a career field like weather, um, it's, it's very in the office, working on, on computers and, and data and, you know, fancy programs like that. That is what I was doing. And then going from that into a rigid, basic military, hut two, three, four, people in your face. You got to be loud. You have to be, present yourself the right way. Like that was a, that was a culture shift for me because being in an office at a, at an operational weather desk, totally different than being out in, in, a, in, a, in the streets, uh, marching and yelling hut two, three, four. Yeah. So you go from sitting in the office, fancy computers and satellites and whoever the what this is the what this is the weather. Yeah. And you go down to San Antonio, get yeah. your fancy hat, and then you have to march through all the weather that you predicted because you gotta be out there no matter what. <laughs> That's right. No matter what. It could be yeah. it could be thirty degrees out there, which it does get cold in San Antonio for a couple of months. And then it could be 110 then, degrees. Exactly. You have to be out there. Still out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you know, it's, it, it, it's not the hard. A lot of people have a misconception about being an MTI, thinking that a lot of it is the yelling and the screaming. It, it actually isn't. Like 90% of the job is you teaching and, and yeah. you having to be very direct and, and know how to articulate with your instructions because the, the little the littlest thing that you can say can can trip trainees out good example is one of my first flights i trainees are running around in the bays and i told them hey go go shave your face and da 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 they're all running into the latrine and they're shaving their face and a couple of them came out with no eyebrows no eyebrows. And I was like, what wow. are you doing? They took that yeah, to told heart. Me, sir, to shave my face. <laughs> I said, oh my goodness. Like, I have to be very precise and I have to think about what I was saying before I said it because they would take it and they would run with it. So, yeah, just, just the little things like that were, uh, were, were was an eye opener. 
So you do that for six years. Um, I know you ended up being mm -hmm. the top dog blue rope, right? Yeah, yeah, got my blue rope, which uh, signified the top 10% of the MTI core. Uh, yeah, that, that wasn't easy either. That was one of the hardest things I ever put myself through, but I, I just, I wanted it. I wanted to challenge myself. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was good How long stuff. did it take to get that? Oh, it, it took me like three, four times to get my blue rope. Yeah, because I, I, I wasn't taking it serious enough. Like, I felt like my talents enough was good enough to push me through that competition. And after the third failure, you know, I realized, you know, you're you're not doing enough, man. Like you are not you are not studying the the lesson plans like you should. You know, as an MTI, it was very easy to go tell trainees, look, everybody look at me. This is how you do a left face. This is how you do a right face. You got it? All right, do it. When it's time for competition, you can't do that. Like you have to be your verbiage has to be precise. Like you can't be missing words. You can't just make up words or you have to be, you got MTIs in the back three, four with a clipboard. They're looking at you every um, every hand gesture, all of that is going through your brain and you're not preparing yourself for that. That's, so that's what I was doing. I was just winging it and finally realized I can't do this. I'm, I'm wasting my time. So when I took it serious, I got it on that, that fourth try. Sure did. Yeah, I didn't, I always knew, like, when I was in basic, they were saying, when you see the blue rope, get your shit together. You don't, you don't fuck around. But I never understood <laughs> the true power of a blue rope, not only to us as trainees, but to the MTIs. Because, so my yeah. flight, we got selected for a parade, for the, during the parade, we got selected for flag duty, right? So we were out there, you know, practicing, marching and all that stuff. Well, my MTI, she was the one who was like calling flights center, like uh, when all of we were all on the parade grounds. Right. So yeah. Yeah. For a while when we were practicing, she was doing, she was doing it very weird, but we just thought oh, maybe that's just how it is. So when we're out there practicing again, we had a blue rope, you know, watching and making sure everything was good so of course he's yelling at us because yeah. that's what mtis do they yell and they're telling us and then when she started <laughs> to do it he turned around and looked at her he said hell no and and she like almost like she was back to a train i was like oh shit they they really feared these guys goddamn like <laughs> blue ropes are no joke yeah yeah I'll tell you that um yeah, yeah. so yeah, out of that whole time six years can you share some of the, either some of the craziest stories, like, you know, uh, of course, like, you know, shaving your eyebrows kind of thing, but like some of the craziest things that you ever witnessed just, you know, because wild shit happens in the dorms. Uh, and then maybe some of the most, I guess, memorable moments, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, I, I would say, that, I, I would say more of the stress, how it's, it was amazing to me how trainees responded under stress. Um, just the craziest things like, for instance, like the, uh, you know, we, we used to, we used to remember folding the duffel bag and folding it. And, and, and we used to, at the MTI, we used to tell the trainees, Hey, once you fold your duffel bag, 
we want you to place it under your bed so you you know it, it gets nice and flat as you lay on it and uh easy so one of the funniest things is I, I told the flight that before I left for the night, I said, look, after you all fold these duffel bags, I want them under your bed uh, so they'll be nice and flat. And sure enough, I come in the next morning and the duffel bags are folded beautifully and they're all grounded right next to all the shoes underneath the bed. And I said, what? in the hell is going on here like i, I told y'all to get them nice and flat so what would make you think to put it up against the shoes all grounded nice next to the poles and once again not paying attention to simple detail like i had to be very precise on instruction uh so yeah that i i at the time i wasn't laughing but Boy, I, I I was irate, but I look back at stuff like that now. I was like, yeah, that that's that's the silly stuff. You know, you got you got trainees. You would tell them no no singing, no dancing, while you're doing inspections. Because I I would play music because it it these inspections could go on for all day, and it can get very boring. So I used to tell them, hey, the music is for me. It's not for you, all right? But hey, we can listen and all enjoy it, but I better not see any singing and dancing. And uh, yeah, sure enough, you'd have trainees in the background trying to sneak around, sing and dance, and you know, it, 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 there'd be repercussions like uh, recycle. You'd go back a week or two, you know, depending on how serious the infraction was. So um, just just silly stuff like that. I. You know, I, I I I never saw anything too outlandish, but uh, I saw a lot of serious stuff though. Like you know, folks that were going through a lot of mental uh, issues, and you know, just being away from home and and the challenges. So th th those things were would definitely get my attention. Took those very serious because yeah, the the last thing we want is people hurting themselves. Um, you know, people parents send their kids there for us to take care of them. So. Yeah, that so that, that th th those were some tough spots, but uh, yeah, overall it, it it was a great experience though. Mm -hmm. Learned a lot. Chief, I know I'm just now entering the chat. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. he's taking care of some stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I I think I missed it, but what year did you go over to basic training the first time? Oh, I was there in uh, 2003. Yeah, okay, so I went through in 2000. Went over to 2003. I went through in 2002, so you came in after I went through, but um, it okay. was a different world back then, as you know, because you worked in basic training, and I was only there yeah, for like two or it three was. weeks because, you know, after I after I shadowed with you, I went to a couple of the other squadrons, um, but it was so different, and um, I don't know if you know um, my TI, uh, Jose Lugo Santiago. Did you know him? I know him very well. As a matter of fact, remember I told you the story about the command chief that I was with that said you'd be a very good first sergeant? That yep. was him. Yep. I know so him. I yep, had him, him and mm -hmm. he scared the shit out of me because as you know, he has that like 
as you know, he's got that really thick Puerto Rican accent, you know, so I could yes, never understand yes, what he was saying, yeah. but I didn't want to ask him, like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, you know, um, yep. he was a trip, um, but I had him and then I had, uh, Sergeant, uh, Robert Wick, I don't know if you know him, and then Wick, I yeah. had, I remember mm-hmm. Robert Wick, sure do. I'm still friends with him on Facebook, um, and then I had some other guy who apparently got fired. Wick told me I can't even remember his name to be honest with you. He he was terrible, but um, and that's that goes to show you like the impact you have on people, right? Um, yeah, that's right. But it was yeah. so different back then, um, as I was saying before. And uh, I remember <laughs> Sergeant Lugo Santiago used to he was playing music just like you said and we had a girl who was Mm -hmm. dancing and singing and he got super pissed at her and so he made her skip down the bay and sing the song yeah it was yeah something like it was something like that and then and then like a couple of minutes later he noticed her collar was popped up and so he was like, nope, do it again, because, and then he made her sing, oops, I did it again, because her collar was popped up. Oh, my gosh. Like, the things that used to happen back then that you couldn't laugh at, you know, that were, yeah. and I know that they did that shit on purpose, because they were like, you know, if we laughed, then they would come at us even more. Yeah. Um, but it's so freaking crazy. Right yeah, I love that guy. He, um. He was a really, really good TI, uh, Sergeant Lugo Santiago yeah, was. Very good. Um, yes, but like he I was. said, yes, he, he scared the shit out of me because I could never, he, such a thick accent. And I, I would just yeah. stare at him yeah. because I didn't understand what he was saying. And I was scared to ask him, like, you know, can you, you know, I didn't hear you. Um, and so I remember one time I was just staring at him and he was like, what did he say? He was like, uh, he, he said something like the, the, are you deaf or like something like that and I was but I still didn't understand what he said and I was like excuse me and then um I didn't give a reporting statement oh my gosh and then he had me on my face I was doing all these push-ups you know but um he had a I was an element leader and um he did uh really take the time to mentor a lot of us you know um but I was also there when the Air Force Academy instructors were there and um, not instructors, yeah. the Air Force Academy yeah, cadets. cadets. And they could not have sent more arrogant people down there. And I could tell I, he never made it known. He never made it known. But I could tell that um, they frustrated him as well, you know, Um yeah. But yeah, it was a it was a crazy time. So I just didn't catch what time you said that you had gone through there. Um, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It was I mean, three. I could probably go on and on, but I won't. Yeah, it's uh, you know it was a it it was a crazy time. It, it really was, and you know we had a lot of MTIs were just just getting a, out of control with with their tactics. Like I mean, it's one thing to have somebody skipping around like that, cool, good, <laughs> everybody's laughing, but yeah, when you start you know, putting your hands on somebody or shoving them and things like that. It it, it was, yeah. So Ooh, the change that reminded that came me of a story was, was definitely needed. That reminds me of a story. I was in the 321st. Yeah. 
right? The one that was closest yeah. to the, yeah. So I was in the 321st. We didn't have yeah. a DFAC. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have a DFAC. So we used to have to go across the street to the DFAC. And I was uh -huh. standing there in the front of the line, like waiting to, um, you know, have everybody go. And I looked over and I saw somebody that I had gone to high school with and I didn't know they were joining the Air Force. And I saw her over there, like cleaning the tables, you know, doing KP duty. And my face lit up because I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I didn't know she was joining the Air Force. So I kind of looked at her and like we made eye contact and I kind of smiled a little bit. And I don't know where this guy came oh. from. You might know him. Um, Sergeant Maldonado, Sergeant Maldonado, uh, Michael Maldonado. He's like this tall. You Maldonado, know him? Maldonado, yes. So yes, I do. when I was yes. a shirt, I don't know if I told you this, but I went to go be the shirt at Security Forces Center there on Lackland. And he's a cop. And so I worked uh -huh. with him. Yeah. So. Anyway, that just reminded yeah. me. I don't know if it was him or not because he didn't remember, but somebody of that height <laughs> came. I don't know where uh -huh. he came from, but came like right in front of my face and was like, what the hell are you looking at? And my dumb ass, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, over there. And uh, whoever, yeah, that's him. <laughs> and uh, I don't yeah. know who it was, but they like smacked my hand down. And then they were, and then I rolled my eyes, of course, wow. you know, because I was 18, couldn't tell me nothing. So I rolled my eyes at him and he got <laughs> so pissed and he was like, oh, oh, you want to be a hard ass? He's like, okay, let's take this shit outside. Go outside. I'll meet you out there and I'll kick your ass right now. I guarantee you I'll win. And I got yeah. so scared and yeah. I'm standing there. Like I was literally shaking. I'm like, am I literally, am I about to go fight somebody? Like I didn't know, you know? And so, um, I start like going to leave the line to go outside. Cause he told me to go outside. He's like, get your ass back in line, stupid. I was like, what, what you just told me to go out. It was so funny. And it's funny now, but at the time I was traumatized. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, holy shit, like he just threatened to kick my ass, this 18-year-old girl, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, it was just, yeah. Yeah. The shit you could go on, There was, yeah, yeah. The rules, th things were needed to be put in place, because, yeah, it, 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 it was getting sidetracked, and a lot yeah. of folks were, were getting out of hand with it, so, yeah. Like, try getting away with something like that now, crazy. you know? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, you can't, there's no way, no way in hell you can do that kind of stuff now. No, no. Yeah. Oh, there no. was another guy in my squadron that looked like Debo from Friday. I don't remember his name or anything. He wasn't my TI. But, um, and then uh, he, I was in CQ. I was waiting for an ambulance because I got really, really sick. And he kept walking by, like, on purpose to make me stand up every single time. And then when the ambulance got there, he was like, your ride's here, princess. I was like, oh, okay. So I stood up to go walk out there, and I guess I didn't acknowledge him. So that was a whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, always got to acknowledge these guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wow. oh, six yeah. years of yeah, all that, that's, man, that's crazy. Yeah, six years of all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And then when I left in 09, I want to say Just like before two I years got later there, is when this, yeah, yeah. 
two years later is when the scandal happened and then yeah, yeah things got sideways quick in, in 2011 2012 so i had yeah. a lot of yeah. patients in uh because i was in the mental health clinic i was a mental health tech um i had a lot of patients mm-hmm. that came in as um the you know effect of that you know come stuff that they were they saw or stuff that you know had happened to them or whatever um but mm. yeah that was crazy yeah it was crazy it was crazy so yeah. what was it I, like i remember I, I remember when i was at the air force honor guard yeah there were investigators yeah. that were calling me asking questions about since you, you just know anybody because, since you were just a ti saw. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So they were investigating all of us like, hey, you know, what did you see? You know, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And yeah, I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't hear about that. That like, yeah. like that. Yeah, like I, I just could not could not believe what I was hearing. You know, like I yeah, 90% of the MTIs, man, they went hard and they was was doing the right things and you had that that 10 that just was just yeah. lawless you know and, and and that's anything that's anywhere in in society you know you're gonna find that 10 that just want to go off and do their own ruins thing. it for but, everybody uh, i was just shocked yeah I, I was shocked to hear about it when investigators were calling me i was like what that was happening yeah it was um it, it was sad so what was it like the, the transition from that I know Air Force Army Guard is structured, but what was it like leaving that type of environment of, you know, big dog on campus and then going to Air Force Army Guard? What, what was that like? Well, that, so yeah, that, that was another eye opener. So, you know, you got to think about it as an MTI and basic military training it's easy to get into an airman space, trainee space to say, do it. Cause I told you to do it, get on your face, push ups, go clean the latrine, go do this, go do that. At the air force honor guard, these are first term airmen, you know? So when I tell them, Hey, I, I want your room clean, you know? Yeah. It's easy for me to say it, but they're necessarily not going to go do it because th- there's not that, that basic military training fear factor going on. So it, that was the hardest part for me was to get after an airman and tell them, Hey, this is what needs to be done. And they look at me like, yeah, okay. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it, Sergeant Jack. I'm like, what? No, no. Like that needs to happen right now. Um, yeah. You know, the beds weren't made. I'm walking to do a a room inspection. Beds weren't made Had had an airman that had, had chicken bones from his wings that he ate. You could tell uh, last week sitting in his, uh, sitting in his uh closet growing mold like i was livid but i had to realize like hey man this is not basic military training so now you're gonna have to get creative on how to uh, inspire these young men and women to do the right thing and uh, of course learned that i couldn't save all of them you know some the ones that really wanted to do it they got after it the others you know i have to just say hey this 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 military thing is not for you Get get and, and find your way up out of here. Um, so uh, that was the hardest part that that I didn't have that control like I had as an MTI. So I would say, Chief, I agree with you from the first sergeant aspect. Um, when I first became a first mm-hmm. sergeant, I wanted to help everybody. 
But as you know, how yeah. overwhelming that yeah. can become when you're spending more time mm -hmm. um, helping them than they are trying to help themselves. And so I don't want to yeah. say my empathy or my sympathy went away, but my, you know, approach to it was different. You know, like I'm going to help you yeah. transition out. I just don't think that this yeah. is a good option yeah. for you. Yeah. But I really did. Yep. And my my old yep. first sergeant at Fort Sam before I came in, he knew I was going to struggle with that, too. So he was like, even before I became a shirt, he's mm -hmm. like, that's something you need to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's unfortunate. But yeah, that, that transition was tough. And then another thing, too, is transition from the Air Force Honor Guard being in MTI. I had to go through tech training in the Air Force Honor Guard because the drill movements the commands it's all different the ceremonies are totally different so yeah. i have to dump all that stuff that i learned in basic military training and the air force honor guard i was a, a tech sergeant my my instructor was a staff sergeant and he was giving me the business and he knew i was a prior mti so he was it, it was like he was testing he was me ready. like okay i I, I wish you would come back at me because I'm, I'm your instructor. I know you outrank me, but I'm your instructor now, and I'm and I have to bite my lip. I was like, "Whoo!" It it took everything for me not to to jump across and grab him. I mean, there were some things that he was saying and and to me and doing. Like I was like, "Okay, you know you're borderline <laughs> maltraining over here. You know you're supposed to be doing that." But he was he was true. Like you in my house now. This is my world. <laughs> yeah, you're in my house now. So I was like, "Oh, come on!" Like, oh, it it was awful. It was tough that, but yeah, we ran every day, like probably the most fit I've ever been in my career was at the Air Force Honor Guard because we ran until we, we couldn't run anymore. It was so incredible. Yeah. I, I very can imagine. Very intense tech school. Very intense. So yeah. I see the video, I saw the video circle around and I want to, want to check this on you. So do you guys really test military bearing with a squeaky chicken? Yeah, they, ah, would. they would. They would do that. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, what? they would. They would do that. Yeah. You, you ever uh, seen the video? Squeaky uh -uh. chicken. So, yeah, it, so in basic the, training or? You know, for for oh, the tech school. Oh, so, oh, what I'm saying is, you no. know, because they have to keep their bearing no matter yeah. what, right? So, they would be yep. in formation yep. and the instructors would come around with one of the rubber chickens. Like those? Yeah, like those. But they would come yep. around with the rubber chicken and it would come right around your face while you're standing there. Yeah, you, to keep, yeah. you have to keep your bang, and then yeah. all these guys, of course, just start laughing when they see it just come right around their eyes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They sure did. Yeah, it was uh, get you. incredible. Yeah, the bearing <laughs> and the uniforms is, is the two things that really, really stood out to me when I went to the Air Force Honor Guard. I, I just could not believe how pristine their uniforms were, like, and how. Just so attention to detail when it came to ceremonies. Yeah, it, uh, mind blowing, mind blowing. Those are things that have to be perfect. Like they have to be perfect, you know? Have to. Because, so it, I do have a really good, he... I do have a really good memory from high school um, because the Air Force Honor Guard mm -hmm. came to my high school and we had like this really long pep ah, rally yeah. and they were doing the whole uh, stuff. Yep. And I was watching them, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, like, of course, you see videos and like you see the army, the Marines and everybody have, doing their own stuff. But like to have them there in our gymnasium, we're sitting there watching them. It it was incredible. I was like, oh, my God, these dudes are awesome. Yeah. You know, so it, it really was 
it really is a great great spectacle to be there in person seeing any of the any of the branches honor guard like uh live and in mm-hmm. action it's amazing yeah 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 and and that was drill that was like drill stuff that was going on that you were watching now imagine the other aspect of that is when we're at the white house we're at the pentagon we're at a state dinner we have foreign dignitaries that are showing up president of the united states prime minister of wherever india wherever like there's a message that is sent you know a lot of people would ask me why is there a height requirement in the honor guard and it's just it, it, it's just that factor. It's the uh, psychological warfare. You know, if you got, you've got a foreign dignitary coming off of an aircraft and the first thing they see is a six foot two row of men and women holding a, a fixed uh, M1 Garand rifle with, with a fixed bayonet, it sends a clear message to that foreign dignitary. Hey, you are in the United States of America uh, and you are looking up at us, and this is a message being sent that we're we're not playing games here. So uh, the breaking of the bearing and and not being precise with your your movements that all is part of that that psychological warfare. So that that's the reason why there there's such strict requirements with with the Air Force Honor Guard. No, oh, yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, I mean, that all makes sense. But yeah, that it is great. So you do that. Big boy, big daddy on campus, Air Force Honor Guard, everywhere you go. And then here you go, (laughs) transition to special duty number three. And how many years in are we now at this point when you become a first sergeant? So let's see. When I became a first sergeant, I have already been in, what, 14 years? Because I made master... Yeah, I want to say 14. So yeah, yeah, I want to say about 14 years is when uh, I I was in when I became a first sergeant. Mm -hmm. So here we are at 14 years. And 10 years of that is all special duty because you only had a real job for about four years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, four, four and a half. Yeah, yeah. That is just crazy. But man, uh, at this point, a lot of people are like, man... Chief Jack, he lives the life that a lot of us wish we could. It's, that would have been awesome, you know? But um, First Sergeant, where, where, what was your first yeah. stop as First Sergeant? You said it was Cannon? Yeah, can- Cannon and then basic training. So those are the only two stops I had as a First Sergeant, yes. And, and what's funny is those are two big... Supposed to be, those are two big yeah, space, spaces big, to go there. <laughs> big and busy, yeah. So... You know, my when I graduated first Sergeant Academy, I was initially supposed to go to the third Special Operations Squadron, which was a a uh, remote pilot aircraft unit. You know, they you know they were cutting edge uh, remote pilot aircraft unit. You know, just doing the doing the do. But uh, the command chief at the time was like. Um, that's a smaller unit. He said, I know you prior MTI. I know you just put on your diamond, but you're going over to aircraft maintenance. I was like, what? I was like, I'm a brand new first sergeant. Like that's a 600 man unit. He said, yeah, I know you, you'll be all right. That's he where sent you're going. you straight you're going to hell, to baby. Straight. <laughs> he sent me straight to aircraft maintenance. So oh, here man. I am 
having to learn to be a master sergeant, having to learn to be a first sergeant, having to learn how the maintenance culture is, is something yeah. that I had never experienced. I had friends that were in maintenance from MTI duty, um, Air Force Honor Guard. Like I had friends in maintenance. Like I don't know what it was, but most of my friends were maintenance. And but when you get embedded into a maintenance unit, it is a totally different culture. So I had to learn all of that. And then the everyday stuff that comes with maintenance, you know, uh, deployments and, and all the other challenges. Um, that is when I, I tell people, that's when I felt like everything came together for me as a leader, because now it's a lot easier for me to tell trainees to get on your face and do push-ups. Uh, doing ceremonies with Air Force Honor Guard, but when I've got when I've got stuff coming at me like suicides and drugs and domestic violence, and now that is when I really have to dig deep and say, okay, like this isn't a cookie cutter. I, I this is this one answer isn't for everybody, and now I have to figure out what was the best answer, what was the best advice for my commander for him or her to take their action. They're leaning on me as the first sergeant. So that was tough. That was tough. But I tell you, that was the moment I said, okay, I, I feel like I've grown into these stripes as, as, as a master sergeant. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. You ever have a commander that didn't, yeah. um, how do I say this nicely? Didn't jive with you. I wouldn't say that. I would say that really, advice? Yeah, that is really hard for me. Yeah. Um, I've had that happen a couple of times because um, I'm in my, well, technically my third yeah. unit now. And um, it's happened a couple of times with my commander now. My commander was actually in basic training too, Ben Werner. I don't know if you know him, but um, he is my commander now. Ooh, that name sounds very familiar. He worked yes. over in the special yes. uh, warfare really basic familiar. training. He worked over there with Jarmia Otten. Um. But he is, yes, yes. so he's, he's my commander yeah. now for the recruiting squadron and he's a great commander. He's awesome. Yes. Very, very, very genuine person. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I said, at first there was a couple of times and I don't know if it's just cause he didn't know me or he didn't like trust me or maybe he was just an experience. I don't know. But, um, I have had that happen a couple of times and it's really, really frustrating, but you know. I was just told myself at the end of the day, like yeah. I advise that's my job. And if the commander wants to go a different route, yep. like that's his priority. I I took it personal, not going to lie a couple of times, um, you know, mm -hmm. and then I'm like, well, mm -hmm. let's just see how this plays out, you know? Um, but uh, yeah. so, yeah, I was just wondering what your experience was with that. Yeah. I've, uh, I've had a, I've had, I've had a couple of challenging ones. I, I, I'll tell you that. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but I, I'll tell you. Yeah, I've had a, a situation where I felt uh -huh. the commander was going a little too hard on the member. Um, felt like um, when, when we talk about non-judicial punishment, it should be a, a rehabilitative tool. Yeah. I, I personally don't feel like we should be ending people's careers off of one mistake. Um, you know, to me, there needs to be a body of work before we get to that level. I mean, depending on the infraction, of course, if you got somebody, yeah. uh, uh, using drugs, no, you got to go, you know, got it. But you know, when, when you've got yeah. life things going on with relationships and, and, and domestic, like that, 
airmen are growing up. NCOs are growing up and learning. They're, they're learning how to live with this brand new spouse and family. And, you know, so yeah, in a military so, long story short, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, military environment, first duty station, like it, it's, there's a lot going on in these young airmen's lives. So for me to just say, Hey, just get them up out of here. Hey, let, let's, let's, let's work these tools. Let's give them an article 15. Let's put them on a UIF on, on, on favorable information file. Let's, let's work these things. But he, whatever this infraction was, he wanted to end this, this, this NCO's career and did exactly that. And myself, the chief at the time, uh, had a couple GS 12s and 13s that were retired chiefs. We were all in the office trying to advise him, say, Hey, like, like you should really think about this some more, but he was adamant. He made up his mind. I'm done. I am, I am gonna, I am gonna, uh, demote this person by two pay grades and I'm kicking him out. And, uh, I, I was not happy. I, I, I let that be known. And I, I, I took it very personal. Like you said, Destiny, yeah. I took it as, as I let that airman down because I couldn't get across to my commander with this, with this advice. And it, it, it took me a long time to realize, you know what, at the end of the day, uh, Sergeant Jack, you are not the commander. Okay. He's the commander. He's the one that gets paid. He's the lieutenant colonel. He's the one that gets those those G series orders for a reason. So the best that you can do is advise him on 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 the best possible action that you can see fit. And you know what? You you have to live with that. That that that's your job. And yeah. it took me a while to come to grips with that. That as a first sergeant, I'm here to advise. I don't mm -hmm. decide. That's his job. That's her job. And the, the more I got accustomed to that and embraced that, the easier it was for me to do my job. Now, was I emotionally tied to my airmen? Of course, that's, 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 that's just me. I'm, I'm always going to be in, invested with my airmen. But I think that has um, to, I think that I, should be I, a I part of every first go. sergeant. I think that should be a part yeah. of every first sergeant yeah. because your job is yeah. to take care of us, you know? And if you don't have some, yep. just some, not Regardless. over, but some type of emotional investment in just people in general, yeah, um, that's what leads. That leads to being a shitty first sergeant because mm -hmm. you know they're not everybody's perfect. Yeah, and not everybody's built yeah. for that position. Well, I can say that I've yeah. never had anything that extreme, Chief. Um, I was just talking about little things mm -hmm. here and there, um, yeah. but I can certainly see how oh, no. you felt like you know that was, I mean, I've had to talk my commander off of, not my current commander, but I've had to talk, you know, commanders off of mm -hmm. ledges before, like, hey, you know, how about you think about this for, you know, maybe 24 hours and see if you're going to come back with, uh, I didn't say yes. this, but like, yes. come back in 24 yes. hours and see if you're yeah. still emotional about it, you know? Because sometimes yes. commanders yes. will put their personal I've, feelings I've or their emotional. own morals into it, you know, and you can't do that. Yes, yes. You can't do that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I've, man, I, I've had, I've had pedophiles in my office, attempted murderers, drug dealers, uh, uh, just you name it as a first sergeant, I had it all in my office. And 
let me tell you, especially the ones with the the the, the, the pedophiles, like I I wanted to punch those dudes in the face in my office because you know I'm thinking about my three boys, you know, yeah. and I I I just I I wanted to go sideways, but at the end of the day, everyone else is looking at this this guy sideways. And as me as the first sergeant, I am the only one that is probably going to get this guy to transition properly out of the Air Force, you know. So I, I took that very seriously. I used to tell them, look, man, I'm not here to judge you. I'm, I'm just here to, to take care of you. I'm, I'm here mm -hmm. for whatever you need. And uh, I had similar experiences. Yeah, like you said, there's certain things that happen. Mm -hmm. I had similar experiences yeah. as a mental health tech, you know, I was just talking about that the other day yeah. because I've had same thing like rapists, pedophiles, you know, everything in my, in my office yeah. as a mental health tech. And it's really, mm -hmm. really hard not to push your, your judgment on them. Of course, we're, we're probably judging them silently, but not outwardly. Um, and I, mm -hmm. I had, mm -hmm. I had to learn as a mental health tech, like, we have to treat them with, you know, unconditional positive regard is what we called it yeah. to make sure yeah. that at the end of the day, we're doing our, our job to take care of them, you know. Um, but when I was the NCOIC of the Family Advocacy Clinic, that is probably the worst where I or I heard it the worst, oh. you know, because yeah. the abuse, the, you know, sexual assaults yeah, and stuff like that. And then you yeah. have that. Yep. You have that um, alleged offender there sitting there waiting for their court martial, getting all their stuff ready. And you got to you got to help them through it, you know, and had a guy in confinement sure. one time and had to go see him in confinement, knowing exactly what he did, um, sexually assaulted somebody. Yeah. He ended up getting 10 years, but mm -hmm. I still had to go out mm -hmm. there and he was in pretrial. I still had to go out there in pretrial confinement and make sure that he had everything that he needed, mm -hmm. you know, for court and, you know, yeah. make sure his yeah. bag was all ready to go and all that kind of stuff. And he wasn't nice to me, of course. <laughs> yeah. But I had to sit there no, and be like, no, no. <laughs> yeah, because no. at that point, they probably many hit times, many times that. Yeah. Yeah. Many times at Canon when, when I had to, uh, Walk an airman to the gate, take their ID card. Many a times they would look at me and say, you know, first sergeant, I, I just, I know I did wrong. I did bad, but I really appreciate how you treated me with dignity and respect from, from the first day you found out what I did to the day you're walking me out this gate. Um, I, I felt like you were the only one that was ever in my corner. That felt good. That felt good because that's my job. That's my job as a first sergeant. I'm not 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 here to ridicule you, judge you. Hey, we we we've got enough things in place to, to take care of all that. Me, I'm I'm here to to take care of you. So that's good to hear. Yeah. So when I first met you back in good old aircraft maintenance, um, yeah. I want to say the first thing I brought to your desk that I need your help with was when I had orders to Osan and then they just canceled them out of nowhere. And you weren't yeah, there, but I, yeah. I left you, I left a yeah. folded copy of the email and then I just wrote, please help. And then you and um, Major Brown at the time, which he was, I love that dude. He was a cool mm -hmm. dude. Um, Y'all both yeah. like legitimately yeah. went to the med group to talk to whoever, like, you know, big dog over there. Cause 
it was medical mm-hmm. osan that did it trying to figure out hey why what's going on yeah. you know and it was just nice to get like actual answers from people going to do something versus just sending an email or you know just saying hey well you know that's just the way it is because what i feel like a lot of leaders in general but you know those first sergeants that i think that might be in that man i'm just fucking tired and it's burnt out i don't got time for this shit kind of you know in that mentality they they just they'll tell you well Mm -hmm. hey man that's that's their choice and that's what they did you know but you actually I never saw you one time in the years that, you know, I served with you. I never once felt in any motion that you had uh, an attitude. It was like, man, I'm tired. I ain't got time for this shit. Uh, I just want, you know, you just, this is the way it is. Like, there was never a point where I felt you, you didn't have time for everybody, period. And you actually took it seriously. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that, of course, yeah. of course, this pays testament to just, why you made chief as a shirt because it's not easy to do like you said but you're just that good you know <laughs> you're a great leader so but um i remember the funniest thing i remember yeah. the funniest thing uh that you ever did um was when you came over to lrs because i had already transitioned back from maintenance to lrs and then yeah. for sure at the time it was like hey you guys are getting chief jack i was like hell yeah man i like this dude he's gonna you're gonna come over here but um you yeah. came over and in our CSS, there's a, on the wall says a number of days since the last DUI, right? And yeah, we were at I like, we were like yeah. four or 500, I don't know, it was over a year, right? And uh, you came in, you're introducing yourself and you're just like, I see that you guys haven't got a DUI in 400 days. And I'm just like, is that real? Because <laughs> we get a DUI once every couple weeks in maintenance, you know, like it's just the ever, it's just a normal thing, you know, like <laughs> you you luckily did not get a DUI oh, in a God. month, you know, because the maintenance boys, they, they yeah. be wilding out. Yeah. Well, I can yeah. say too, I know well, I didn't work for you for very, or work with you for very long because, you know, I got sent over to you to do some some training um, before, um, you know, I went yeah. to shirt school and everything. And um, I actually, to my advantage, I went to, I think, five different units the whole time I was there because JBSA, there's so many different opportunities to shadow. Oh, yeah. And so Senior oh, yeah. Sinclair, I was time. with her for a few days and she's like, you need to go over and see uh, Chief Jack. And so um, yeah. when I went over there, I could tell the same thing. And I know that like... <laughs> We had, a, I can't remember her name, but that um, detailed master sergeant that was over there in the training squadron, um, the holdover squadron. I can't remember her name, um, but she was over there and you're like, you're oh. going to work with her. But it was a great opportunity yeah, because yeah. we had some things ha- just in the short time I was there. There were things that happened that I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. this stuff happens in basic training. Um, do you remember, I don't know if you remember yeah. this or not, but there was like a sexual assault and like we had to call like a meeting and um, you were like showing me yeah. like what to do, yeah. like with the CERO uh, yeah. and everything. And I was like, this stuff happens in basic yep. training. Yep. But that was really overwhelming because all of, I remember going in at like six in the morning and there would be a line out the door and every single one of those airmen What's going on with my case? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? And yes. that was our job to take care of them. And I was like, holy shit. I did not think being a a uh, a first sergeant in basic training was going to be this, you know, this crazy. And then uh, oh, yeah. 
I went over to a couple of the other units. I went over to a couple of the other units before I left. And um, there were, I think, just in the short time I was there, like two or three um, Red Cross notifications that, you know, I had to be in there and and Mm -hmm. notify the the trainees and, you know, trying to get them home. And um, that was probably the biggest thing I saw. But another thing that I also didn't realize is that, I mean, I realized it, but I never really thought about it is you're the shirt for the TIs and they're really stressed out and they've got a lot going on. And so they were in the offices a lot too, talking to us. And I was like, man, that is a really... Yeah, but when I was over in the training squadron, I'd go in at six in the morning, and I remember I wasn't getting home until like seven o'clock at night because we were just in there filtering out yeah. all those trainees. Um, oh. But yeah. to Rusty's point, I knew like when I was in there with you, like you took the time to like actually sit there and teach me stuff, you know, because I had gone over to a couple of other squadrons and it was just kind of like I'd be sitting in there with them. They weren't showing me anything really, you know, um, but uh you and the security forces and senior Sinclair, of course, and then uh, the security forces tech school, can't remember his name. Um, he actually handed me a um, uh, OSI report when it was done and was like, read this and then tell me what you would recommend, you know, and he gave me like a whole bunch of that kind of stuff. And so um, I do thank you for, you know, being patient with me and answering my questions and, and uh, just, you know, helping me be a better first sergeant, too. Yeah, and it, it all turned out well. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's absolutely it. That's that that's what I, I love doing. I love I love I love passing on to 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 airmen what 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 worked for me. And then it's not going to work for everybody. But I, I just feel as 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 my job in the air force as a supervisor who whatever rank i'm at my job is to make sure i i I pass that on you know i i just never been the type of person to keep those things close to my chest and it it works best for me and that's it that's my little secret no we 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 all we all shine let's let's all shine on this so always been my mentality always so chief i'm gonna bring up a story that you were involved with um do you remember Airman Gomez? Gomez. LRS. Guy who just got a nasty oh, dog. Oh, there we go. Yes. There's a realization. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, oh my God. This this kid, he's the he was the definition of how have you made it this far in life, yes. let alone the Air oh, Force. Oh, I could not believe it. Yeah. This guy, guys, yeah. oh, my God. He, I, I, um, I don't know how his MTI <laughs> let him go. Right? And how, how do you make it through tech school? Like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> yeah, tech school. Like, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. So this guy. Yeah. He started out. He started out okay, you know, because uh, he was in my section. So I. I was, you know, we started seeing, okay, he, uh, like, the amount of shit we did to try to accommodate this guy is just, it was too far, but, you know, I, I was just a staff sergeant, just yeah. listening to my master sergeants, so mm-hmm. he was having a hard time waking up on time, and the basic of things, right, and so <laughs> we actually adjusted his schedule in the day to get his full time in just yeah. so he could you know, sleep in a little bit more and he still wasn't getting up on time. So 
Still, you got to no, a point, all right, no. let's get him to medical and see if it's a sleep disorder, whatever. Like, you got to cover all these avenues before you say, get the fuck out of the Air Force, right? So, then, then the really bad shit started to happen. Oh, my God. So, I inspected his room one time before it all went to shit. And his room was, was, was good. But you could tell, like, he just moved there, so he hadn't had time to fuck it up. But... <laughs> It was fine. I was like, yeah. okay, cool. And I was like, hey, yeah. just make sure you clean over here a little bit. But I was like, okay, whatever. And then y'all's inspection started to happen. And holy shit, there was just no saving this guy uh, after that because this guy's this nah, dude nah. would have jars and and like Gatorade oh, bottles or oh. cups full of piss. He just wouldn't oh, go goodness. out of the bed to his bathroom, which was five feet away, right? Yeah. And so here's yeah. and here's the interesting yeah. here's the interesting story he would tell us. We're just like, why do you have jars and cups and bottles of piss, man? He's like, well, I was driving and you know I couldn't find anywhere, so I pissed in a bottle and stuff like that. I was like, okay, let's walk through this logic real quick. One, you're a guy, you can piss anywhere. Two, you pissed in a bottle, fine. That means when you parked in the parking lot, you got out, you grabbed these bottles, and as you walked to your room, passing dumpsters, passing trash cans, you decided to take it to your room with you. Explain that logic. How does that even make sense that you would (laughs) bypass all forms of disposing it and just come to your room and leave it there? I, yeah. You know, so to me, yeah. you, I, to me, I, like, just maybe it's the mental health tech in me and I, I'm not like, you know, sticking up for the guy yep. or anything. But to me, I'm thinking, how was this guy raised? You know, because like, clearly, yeah. he thought that was okay, you know, and he was still young enough, you know, yeah. he probably, really and again, did. not defending him, he should have known better. But I'm like, Clearly, he was raised in an environment where that was normal and that was okay. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know the guy or anything, but mm-hmm. that's just the, the mental health tech in me has so to think about that. Let's examine that because he did at one point in time while he was at work, he would bring up random shit and just start talking like we were, he would, he would jump into the yeah. conversation like we were having one. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. And he was like, did you guys ever, yeah. when you were a kid at home, just, you know, run into the corner of a wall just on purpose and we looked at him like what he's like yeah you know like a corner of the wall yeah. you just you know run into it you know whatever and we just look at him like what why would we do that i did that well yeah I'm that, just that makes I'm sense just for you kidding. i'm just but, kidding but like, we're sitting there like why would you do that on purpose like for fun and then this kid yeah. on top of that like yeah. so bottles of piss fine then he he had never like cleaned or washed his sheets or bed or whatever. Cause there, there was just yeah. a pile. Yeah, the there there was just smell. Yeah. yeah in his, there was such mildew yeah. build up from the sweat of him just laying on that mattress and everything. It was just, yeah. his mama yeah. probably cleaned it, it, for it him his like entire life. Person. He might as well yeah. have been Jesus. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. Was, either he it, had it like incredible. a severe mental disorder or he his mom did everything mm-hmm. for him you know and he didn't know like the basic life skills or maybe he lived in you know a trashy place and it that's how he was raised i don't know that's crazy though yeah 
So, and that's what it came down to. That's how we, yeah. we were able to discharge him was off the mental because, uh, yeah, he just, he just wasn't right. He wasn't right. Something was going on in his head. Yeah. Maybe it was from banging his head up against the wall too much. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but on top of that, yours uh, truly got chosen to escort him around base to get him all out processed. So. Yeah. I, I, yeah. God, that's right. Yes. Oh my God. So. Uh. I I meet that him up at else. I meet him up by I, I always tell that story always yeah I meet him up by your office I get him I was like where's your outprocessing checklist so he gives me his outprocessing checklist I was like and I was just I'm I'm visibly pissed and annoyed already I'm just like all right let's fucking go so I start pick I start taking him to all these places getting him out processed and then when we are finishing up I was like all right cool I think we're good. Um, and then he starts going through his stuff and he pulls out an additional checklist, which is the one that you do when you're getting kicked out. And I didn't yeah, know this. I didn't yeah, know this. I, yeah. I looked at him. I was like, yeah. you decide to give me another checklist at the end of the day when we finish your, yeah. your out-processing checklist. He just kind of he just stared at me blank. I was like, you son of a bitch. You bought yourself one more day. Go to bed. I'll be here at fucking yeah. 8 a.m., you know? So, and of course, doesn't wake up on time. I'm beating the hell down on his door to get him up so we can get him out. And then we go do the rest of it. And I am looking for, we're, we're saying, okay, hey, let, what, what we need to do is get your stuff right. Uh, I had a SUV at the time, so I'm like, pile shit in the back, you know, and his car was parked at the mall off base. Like it wasn't on, on base. And so yeah. I take him out to his car and retrospect, looking back, I probably shouldn't have done this, but like take him out to his car and uh, he couldn't get it started. And so I unload all this stuff and he's just yeah. kind of looking there and he's trying, he couldn't get it started and everything. And I looked at him. I was like, you know what? Good luck to you. And he, he got out, he shook my hand and I just left his ass there. <laughs> I, and I, you know, and I shouldn't have done that. I get it. But I was like, this dude ain't a part of the Air Force no more. He ain't my fucking problem. So I, I fucking yeah. left. And he did get ended up getting like another day because people found out. And they were like, we can't just sit there and leave him because then he's going to be like, the Air Force just left me on the side of the road. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. man. But that gotta, guy. Got to get him out the right way, man. Yeah. yeah that... Got to hold their hand. Oh, man. Wow. All right. So. Yeah, Going from yeah. Canon. I, I tell people that, so that's the reason why I tell <laughs> that's the reason why I tell a lot of NCOs it's so important to go do dorm inspections on your airmen because if we weren't doing inspections, we would have never found out about all that nonsense that he was doing in his oh, room. Oh man, yeah, you know, you have to go see how your airmen are living because seeing how they live will yeah. give you a real inside look at the how they are. Mm -hmm. Yes, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I got a really good insight on that when I was an instructor at Fort Sam for four years and had to go do dorm inspections with the mm -hmm. um, MTLs. Yeah. 
it was very, very eye-opening. And yeah. after a while, I got to the point to where I was yes. like, if it's my student, I don't want to look in their rooms because they had some like questionable items in there that like I didn't want to look them in the face mm -hmm. after. Mm -hmm. you, know? Um, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. that happened a few times. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, I don't think I want to go on this floor because the majority mm -hmm. of my students are in there. And I don't know if I can look them in the eye after some of that stuff I found. I would be embarrassed if I were them too. But yeah. I remember one girl just kind of stood there and she would not look me in the eye. And then like over the next few weeks, she was like, she didn't want to communicate with me, you know, as an instructor and everything. Cause she saw what she, I saw what she had her, her collection, I guess I should say. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. 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 I, but very, very, very eye opening. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah. You, you, you'll see some things. Oh yeah. So, Going from Canon back to basic training as a shirt. Now, you were MTI in a very different world, in a very different Air Force. And here you are going back yeah. down to basic training as a first sergeant. So tell yeah. us, like, what what was the biggest shift and change and, and stuff and when you were being an MTI to now going down being a shirt for MTIs? What was the biggest kind of new culture shock because everything had changed by then i'm sure yeah yeah just i i think just a little um as as we called little mti isms that was like non-negotiable when i was an mti versus how it is now like uh like for instance when when i was an mti like you you need to be marching at attention with your flight you know, you, you were the example. When I went back as a first sergeant, like a lot of that got laxed, you know, I'm not saying all MTIs are doing it, but some more than others were, you know, not the command voices weren't, weren't as sharp, you know? So I noticed that I was starting to do a little bit of critiquing and then I had to catch myself and was like, look, I'm not here to be there their quality or assurance uh, guy. I'm, I'm here to be their first sergeant. You Not know? a blue now, rope anymore. I always offer to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I would always offer to them, look, you all know my background. You know, I was here, you know, MTI and blue rope. Got it. If y'all ever need the advice, hey, you know where my office is at. And I, and I, and I kept it at that. So a lot of them would come to my office. Others weren't. They were like very happy what they were doing. And, and that was good. Hey, I'm, I'm here to be your first sergeant. So um, that that was tough at first because my natural instinct was to dive in there and be like, no, you're doing that wrong. You should have your, you know, your command voice should sound like this. Your inflection should sound like that. And that that's not what I'm there for. I'm, I'm there to be the first sergeant. So, yeah, at first that was tough, but got got used to it. Um, the the main thing that I was always getting after was I want the MTIs to trust me. Want all my MTIs to feel, feel very comfortable coming to the first sergeant. Because you gotta understand there's a lot of there's a lot of different cultures out there that don't trust first sergeants. They think, oh well, I, I can't tell them my business, so they're gonna go rat me out or I don't you know, all that nonsense. And I was like, look. The, whatever you grew up in, the maintenance background, the, you know, operations, medical, whatever it was, like, I, 
that was my number one priority to to shut that down and let them feel like, hey, whatever I need to talk about, whether it's on the job, off the job, I feel extremely comfortable going to him and know that my business is going to stay our business, you know, not out there gossiping and telling my business to the rest of the unit. So that was one of my top priorities going back because I, I wanted MTIs to know that I, I, I walked in your shoes before. I know how it feels. I empathize. So building that was was the best part, the easiest part. Then after that, everything came second nature after that, once the trust got developed. I could also imagine that, you know, MTIs, they've been in the Air Force, you know, they're NCOs. So they, they have mm-hmm. they have life experience being a military member already, you know, unlike the first term airmen yeah. as a in the Air Force Honor Guard, you know, because ju- that's just all they know at this point. But mm-hmm. these NCOs, depending on how long they've been in and bases, units, whatever, they might have had not good experience with first sergeants, you know. So in yes, exactly. what you experience exactly. with some leaders, some poor experiences. Yep. Yeah, and what, yep. what you experience with leaders, that that automatically starts putting, hey, I don't fuck with the first sergeant because. My, all the first times mm-hmm. I've had, they've only just been out to try to get me kicked out of the fucking Air Force. So, you know, yeah. I, I ain't got shit to say to them, yeah. you know, and that yeah. and that's a horrible thing, obviously. Yeah. And I, I feel like as you mature and grow as an NCO and then maybe to a senior NCO, then that'll change. But young NCOs, like staff sergeants, right, that they're, they're still mm-hmm. kind of set. Most of the time, they're still kind of set in that, man. This last commander I had, he he was a dick. Or this last shirt I had, I mean they they just didn't give a shit, you know. So that's still their their attitude going into leadership. Period. Doesn't matter where they yeah. are, you know. I feel like that yeah. happens a yeah. lot in security forces because their tech school is no joke, and you know they have admin admin days. So on Tuesdays they're getting, you know. The only time that they would, they fixed it now, you know, there's more than two shirts there now. I think there's like four, but at the time I could see how that, Mm -hmm. and I saw it too, whenever I was a shirt in security forces that it, that was their first experience was any time that they saw the shirt was whenever they were in trouble. They were in trouble. You know? Yeah. Yep. 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 That's the same mindset in maintenance. Maintenance had the same oh, mindset, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. anytime you went to go see the first sergeant, you were in trouble. I was like, come on, man, like this, this has got to stop. And I can tell that now because I'll call to reach out to my members to see how they're doing, you know, because like I said, they're out in different flights and sometimes like, you know, depending on what career field they came from, but I'll give them a call and I'll be like, hey, it's Sergeant Reynolds. And they'll be like, is everything okay? Or they'll be like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, ma'am. And yeah. I'm like, no, 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 oh, you're hey, not in trouble. Uh-huh. Like, or the other day, our, our computer person was walking down the hall and I said, hey, Sergeant so-and-so, come see me real quick. And he came in and he stood there and he was like, that scared me. Is everything okay? Uh-huh. And I was like, am I scary? Like all yeah. five foot two of me? Like, I'm not. I just needed to ask you a question <laughs> about this LOC you just gave. Like, that's all I needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got this yep. big, big yep. dude, Sergeant Jackson. Hey, come to my office. I'm like, oh shit, fuck, I do. Yeah, kind of all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a little bit of a yep. resting bitch face, so I can kind of understand that. But yeah, sometimes people, it's crazy though. They'll be. I, one girl was like, uh, I I couldn't get a hold of her, so I called her flight chief, and it wasn't even anything she did. But I was like, hey, have her call me because I need to talk to her like right now, and. uh 
she told her her flight chief um i don't i don't want to talk to the shirt she looks mean and that was when i first got there like so i hadn't really got the chance to meet anybody yet um i can't remember what it was for but it was something i needed to talk to her about right then and there and uh so the her flight chief called me and told me that and i was like really so i called that girl and i was like girl really i was like you're afraid to call me back because i look mean i was like come on <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, no, I, I get, I get a lot it. Of I totally that. get it. So, Chief, I mean, your time in the Air Force has probably been one of the most unique experiences for anybody to hear or experience, you know? So I just, I do, I, I, I do have a little bit of jealousy. I'm like, man, I wanted to be a TI for so long. It didn't happen. And of course, <laughs> you know, I wanted to be a first sergeant so bad, but I just, they couldn't get make yeah. master, yeah. but you know, way my career panned out, way my life is now, I love it. Obviously, I made I made yeah. the best decision when I got out when I did, you know. But I'm still yeah. very happy That's with right. the time I served and the people I met and everything I did, you know. But chief, I just I love that. No matter when I've talked to you, no matter when I've seen you, no matter what you're doing in your career at the time because who knows what you're doing nowadays you know be like oh yeah he's back in the weather and then i'll follow up and be like hey how's weather he's like man i'm a command chief now like he's like well, okay Corey, you probably just got on something else you know <laughs> but there's yeah. never been a time that you don't got that big smile on your face that you're happy to see somebody that you're happy to talk to somebody you know because i i've you know Every now and then, people have bad days. You're just like, oh, well, no, I, I swear, there's no such thing as a bad day for you. And if there is, you hide it very well. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know. Yeah, we have a, a well, first sergeant who's, we have a first sergeant in AFRS who uh, I've actually known him since tech school because um, I was personnel before I retrained and he was, he's weather. And uh, I give him so much crap all the time because I've known him for 22 years. But he'll talk because he has to, he's, they're not letting him, he has to go back to his career field when he's done with his shirt tour. And uh, oh, yeah. I'm always like, yeah. is that even still a thing? I was like, don't we have weather apps now? And he's like, <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, that, that's always the, the running joke. You know, we've got all this technology and apps and things like that, but uh Weather is needed, you know. No, I know. If, if I just paid, like giving him shit. You paid attention to Ukraine. Yeah, you paid attention to Ukraine and Russians getting tanks stuck in mud. Those idiots weren't paying attention to their weather forecaster. I'll yeah. just say that. Yeah, yeah, they didn't check their apps yeah. at all. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? They need you back in weather? Yeah. I was like, is it just you just pull yeah, up your app yeah. you know oh my gosh i give him so much shit about that but i do understand that it's an important job don't get me wrong it's just i've known him for 22 years yeah, so i can i can yeah. you know go back and forth no, with him like good. that no it's easy the what 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 the forecast is always easy to pick on i mean y'all see it on the news <laughs> the forecast is wrong what do we do we go crazy on the weather forecaster so it's all yeah. good so, Chief, looking <laughs> looking back at everything you've done and everywhere you've been, what, like, what is the one thing that you miss or one thing that you had the most fun doing? I, I would say the day to day with airmen. I I miss being around airmen. You know, when when you're working with staff, 
man, you're getting after some big rocks. You know, there there's some big heavy lifting going on, but I just miss the the everyday stuff with Airman. Hey, how you doing? How how was the weekend? Uh, you know, what 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 are your goals? Do, do you want to stay in? Are you going to you know, do you want to become an officer? All, all these things. Th those are the things I, I really, really miss. Um, yeah, because it's, uh, it's, it's what I do is, is take care of folks. So when I go on my site yeah. visits, like I said, all over Alaska, Guam, wherever, that's, that's, that's the, the epitome of, of, of why I, I love traveling because I get to see and interact and talk to these airmen and, and just hear what's on their mind. Like what, what is challenging them in and outside of their careers, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I would say that I just, I, I just miss being around the airmen. That's, that's one of the, that's one of the, 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 the bad parts about making rank and moving up and, and getting all these responsibilities. You get further away from, from those airmen because you've got, like I said, those, those big rocks that, that you're getting after, but uh yeah i miss i miss the airmen I, I really do so what do you miss most about having like having fun what's the most fun what's the most fun you know what i miss like when i was with when i was a lrs first sergeant you know the commander at the time um i know who you're talking uh, about major choate Major Choate. I, I don't know if you were there when Major Choate was there. He had just taken I think over. You were there when Major Todd. I was with yeah, Major Todd. Yeah, he had just taken over. So, but uh, I know yes. yeah, some, of those, uh, some of those some of those commanders or whatever. You don't want to mention names. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like Major Choate, man, we would every Friday we would go visit a section. We would go over to the, 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 the fuels guys and go, you know, do, do the fart, pull the hose and, and just do the fart challenge and uh, go, going over to supply, just go chatting with the airmen, see what they do. Just I, I, I miss being in their space because one thing I learned as a first sergeant, when I kept calling them to my office, I, I wasn't. I wasn't getting the full story when I put myself in their environment and was around in their spaces. That's when I was like, Ooh, now, now I see what's going on here because now they feel comfortable. They're like, okay, man, he has the time to come out and yeah, come he hang out with us. And he didn't and say, come to my office. Do. So they love that. Yeah. No, yeah. 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 I so love doing that as that, a recruiting that, shirt. That was fun. Yeah, I love doing that as love a recruiting it. shirt. And love when I was Absolutely. a security forces shirt, I mm -hmm. had all the confinement people under me. And so I got to go TDY to all the breaks. Yeah. And I would work night shift with them. I would do like prisoner intakes with them, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And uh, mm -hmm. I really did gain a lot of trust yeah. through them being able to do that because then they yeah. had, could put exactly. a face to a name and then they would call me if something went wrong. Yeah. That's well, right. That's well, right. Well, well, well. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm, I always had the attitude of I'm everybody's first sergeant. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it. I'm the, the maintenance first sergeant. I'm the LRS first sergeant. The, any airman that I came across on, on the base, if they said first sergeant, I, I, I need, I need to chat with you real quick. 
I, I was game. I wasn't the one to say, hey, did you speak to your first sergeant? Did, does he or she know what's going on? Hey, I'm, I'm here for everybody. So that that was a, a mindset that I had throughout the whole time that, that helped me out a lot. I'm everybody's first sergeant. The CGOs, the officers, the young officers, you know, they're, they're young too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I got it. I got it. They, they, they completed college and they've got their degree, but they're lieutenants. They're, they're, they're learning just kids. as much as the A1C they're is learning. Hey, kids. I'm, I'm your first sergeant too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. All of that. All of that. I, I embraced all of that. Now. Like, yeah. ma'am, you can't come in with puka shells in your hair. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, bless their hearts. That definitely did happen once. (laughs) Well, Chief, (laughs) I can't tell you, I can't tell you enough how how glad I am that you were able to make time out of your busy schedule to be here. Because I know you're all over the place. You're doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, no matter where you are, even though you're a big chief, you know, over with the weather, you know, you still got that little bit of first sergeant in your heart. So, and that's what you always will be to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm an advocate. I, I, won't, I, I won't be surprised if, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm an advocate for be you being a command if, first sergeant. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I won't be surprised if, if that's what, what my career ends at is me putting back on that diamond and, and taking care of the first sergeant one last time before I, I call it a day. Yeah. And that's what Chief Alsvig did. Um, he went back to his career field and then he yeah. said, Nope, this yeah. is where my heart is. And uh Chief Alsvig was actually my yeah. first sergeant yeah. when I was a staff sergeant. And then uh we crossed paths again oh, when I really? went to the academy. Okay. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, yeah, he's real real good people. Yeah. He's got the energy. most two, energy two I've ever ago. seen. He like that guy yeah. has yeah. so much energy. <laughs> and I'm like, Chief. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and he doesn't even know, drink coffee. No, it's a hundred miles an hour. No, no, hundred miles an hour, all the time. Yeah, yeah. He was a great commandant. Yeah, he's uh, he's 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 really good people. Yeah, he, he he's in the perfect seat right now as Diamond One. Perfect yeah. seat. I love Chief Perry too because Chief Perry was yeah. a mental health tech. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, he's also real good people. I, I, I've been blessed. I've been blessed with some really great CFMs like, uh, yeah, like Manny Pinero, Mike Perry, mm-hmm. yeah, John Alsvig. Like these these dudes, man, they uh, they they busted their tails to get this career feel right. So yeah, absolutely. I could see you as Diamond One someday. <laughs> ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know if I got that energy like like John Osbig does. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. There would be nobody better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to this insane, uh, crazy career life, man. I'm telling you. But um, make sure you guys go check out our social. You can search on Facebook or Instagram uh, at TCW Podcast Twenty Three. We also are on all, uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Podcasts for the time being. They are shutting down the year, but we are everywhere that you could possibly find us. So please like, share. Um, we now have a link on our link tree that you can actually apply to come on the podcast if you want to share something or just 
you know, share your story or talk about a sp specific topic. But uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, don't go anywhere, Chief. But we will see you guys next time. Later. All right. Peace.